Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon here on a two-day Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Ken Miller with you as we talk sports, as I talk sports for the next couple of hours with an assortment of guests here right up until noon. The BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. About 10.15, Going to talk some college football. There's no way in you know what I've got an, any chance in getting a Big Ten uh, writer on with uh, me here today. Hopefully that will happen tomorrow, but that will not prevent me and my college football friend Bama Bob from talking Big Ten football uh, coming up here at about 10.15. So we'll get into that. Kevin Warren has just finished up his lengthy opening remarks at Big Ten Media Days. We'll go over a couple of the talking points uh, that came out of that here in just a couple of minutes. But Bama Bob... And I will talk Big Ten football about 10.15. The goal, the plan, uh, is to bring you Kirk Ferentz's press conference live from Big Ten Media Days. That's scheduled to begin about 10.45. So if uh, we can time this thing out uh, properly, we will get uh, Coach Ferentz as he takes the stage and answers a question from the assembled media uh, in Indianapolis. That will take us to 11 o'clock where we'll switch gears a little bit. At 11.05, uh, Brian Walton, the CardinalNation.com, for a couple of reasons with, with Brian. First and foremost, Juan Soto uh, is um, there's a couple of teams that that make sense, but the Cardinals are really seemingly starting to appear on a lot of national media um, columns. Twitter accounts, etc., as maybe the team to watch out for the most. And look, it's going to take a king's ransom to get this guy. But as we heard from uh, Mark Simon, our analytical guy yesterday, he said that uh, Juan Soto, even from now until the end of the season, what did he say? Was he's worth maybe was he four or eight games um, in wins above replacement, if you will. Um, so this is the impact that this guy would have. But he's not going to come cheap, as we know. And what does that mean? Uh, that if indeed he is going to end up in St. Louis, you're going to lose some of your prospects. Maybe a guy like Nolan Gorman, who I couldn't be more impressed with. Uh, he's he's come up and he's really making his mark. So Brian Walton will talk about the Cardinals. They, in, they begin a series tonight in, in Toronto. They will do so. Without their two big guns, Arnato and Goldschmidt have been left behind uh, because they are not vaccinated. That's their choice at this point. There's probably very little chance they're going to. Um, to each their own, right? Wish I wish everybody would, but I know that's not going to be the case. I am not going to harp on those guys. They made their decision. The Cardinals will head up there without them. Look, remember what the Royals did? They left 10 guys at home. They went in game one, and uh, now, again, it was a four-game series, and Toronto got the last three, but uh, to begin that series, the Royals got them. Uh, so we'll see if the Cardinals, who are a much better team than the Royals, are able to do so without Goldschmidt and Arnado. So we'll talk some Cardinal baseball, and I'm really going to focus in on the Soto. Is there a possibility uh, that he is indeed traded to St. Louis? What a shot in the arm that would be uh, for the Central Division, as well as clearly for the St. Louis Cardinals. So Brian Walton at 11.05, and then uh, Chris Williams is going to join me for about well hopefully 15 or 20 minutes if his schedule will allow will allow i want to get uh, really inside this uh, cyclone roster with chris um you know so many new guys as we know are going to be a major major players if indeed this team is to have um you know a bowl 
a bull winning season, a bull eligible season, and I think they can. I really do. They've got enough guys coming back, and uh, Campbell's recruiting is at a level now where, yes, there'll be a drop off at some positions. Maybe uh, it's not as precipitous as it would have been in, um, you know, over the over the history of that program. Quite frankly, Campbell's turned things around there. So I'm looking forward to catching up with my friend Chris Williams at about uh, about. 11, 15, 11, 20-ish or thereabouts to talk some Cyclones. Now, the plan tomorrow is once uh, I, I was on the podium today, you know, Ference at 445. I hope uh, that once Iowa's day is over, that some of the Iowa media that is grateful to join Trent and I uh, throughout the our, our programming weeks will be able to cut away for a few minutes and uh, want to pick a couple of their brains tomorrow on what they heard today. So what they've heard this morning is the commissioner of the Big Ten, Kevin Kevin Warren, he took the stage and answered a variety of questions. And expansion is not done. That's my takeaway from uh, from Kevin Warren's uh, remarks earlier this morning. They're not going to expand just for the sake of expansion. What does that mean? Well, what it means, first and foremost, is they're waiting on Notre Dame's decision. And when Notre Dame gives a thumbs up or an unequivocal, you know, we're not interested, uh, then maybe they go in a different direction, or maybe that they don't. Maybe they're happy with 16, which is where the SEC is going to be. When UCLA and uh, USC join... The conference, they will be doing so as members that get a full share right off the bat. This isn't going to be Nebraska. Rutgers or Maryland who come in in partial shares and that uh, and that uh, money increases uh, over a, a number of years before they become full-fledged members as far as getting the entire allotment of money that the other schools get. But when it comes to USC, when it comes to UCLA, when they join, they're going to get the exact same check as Ohio State, Iowa, Wisconsin, dot, 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 down the line. That, I thought, was newsworthy. Uh, Kevin Warren is all for expansion of the playoffs. However, he stopped short of laying out what his vision is uh, for expansion of the playoffs. Does this mean the automatic qualifiers? Uh, will they still get that? You know, your, con- your, your conference champion gets one of those spots or... May that uh, may that uh, now have gone away due to the fact that well, we don't know how this is going to shake out. There's two conferences that have seemingly have separated themselves uh, from the others. Who's going to be number three? Is there going to be a number four? Uh, and if there is a number four, how far behind number three are they? Uh, if you get my drift. So yes, Kevin Warren was forthcoming when it uh, when he came to those couple of points. But um, expansion is going to happen. How it's going to happen remains to be seen. They are not apparently ready at this particular juncture to announce any media rights deal. I don't think it's far off. It's just not going to happen in Indianapolis. That was the takeaway from that. And while they dot I's and cross T's with um, their new partners or new old partners with new agreement, that I think prevents the Pac-12 from going for I me. Mean, how can the Pac-12 move until they know uh, the lay of the land, right? Um, if Fox is if, if Fox is going to be a major player as they are now in the uh, in the Big Ten, uh, or if they give some of that up, that may open up a door for a Pac-12. Um, but the Pac-12 can't do anything until they hear from the Big Ten, and then they can go uh, to you know some of the networks that uh, were left on the cutting room floor and see if there's a deal to be made there. Speaking of the Pac-12, it sure seems like. Um, 
non-equal non-equal revenue sharing is going to be on the table and we saw that that does not work when it comes to the Big 12 we saw Oklahoma we saw uh, Texas get a a bigger share of the pie and it, there was just too many hard feelings but if you're the Pac-12 and if you're uh, Oregon State if you're Cal if you're Washington State Arizona maybe Arizona State you have no choice, right? You have no choice but to give Oregon and Washington what they want. And if they want a bigger share of the of that pie, whatever it may be, and I still think ESPN's bidding against themselves, which is why they're going to lowball them, at least with the first offer. Um, and again, negotiations where you start, right? The first number's never where you settle, or very seldom where you settle. So we shall see. But... Um, Oregon and Washington make no doubt, have no doubt about it. When the deal comes out, they are going to get a bigger share than the schools that I just mentioned. And the other schools that I just mentioned really have no choice. If they want this to stay together and the schools that I just mentioned, um, they really don't have, they, they have to attach themselves to those two heavy heads if they don't want to end up in the Mountain West or wherever they may be. Um, so we'll see how that works out. But Big Ten Media Days are going on. The uh, depth chart is out for the University of Iowa. Uh, look, it's a starting point, right? We know that it's in all likelihood going to change by the time uh, that uh, we get to week number one. A couple of things that jumped out of it. I think offensively, the the, the bigger point, uh, Logan Jones, who moved over from the defensive line, he is listed as the starting center. Uh, so he is going to be asked to fill Tyler Linderbaum's shoes. And we certainly heard some good things about the, uh, about the sophomore, uh, in his transition from the defensive side of the ball to the offensive side of the ball. It's the quarterback of that line, Logan Jones, listed as they, as the starter in that spot. As far as the kicker, there's a true freshman that was not Part of the depth chart that came out, I'm not even sure if he was on campus, to be fair. Uh, Drew Stevens is his name, a kid from uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, one of the Carolinas, uh, is going to um, provide the competition, apparently, with Aaron Bloom, and I hope I'm saying his name right, uh, but he right now is the number one guy, at least to begin camp. There is a redshirt freshman that's opening some eyes, apparently, at the wide receiver position, Alec Wick is listed as the backup behind Keegan Johnson at one of the wide receiver spots. So those were the three things that jumped out to me offensively. I think of the three, clearly, uh, Logan Jones is the uh, is the biggest news there, that he is going to go uh, into August camp as the starting center, as the heir apparent to Tyler Linderbaum. The kicking... Uh, kicking duties, it's, it's, it's going to be a battle throughout camp, right? There, there's no incumbent. This to me is one of the biggest question marks. Yes, even a bigger question mark than the quarterback. Cause I'm, I'm on, I'm on board with Petrus. You know that. Um, but Hawks have been, <laughs> they've been spoiled. They've been spoiled. I mean, how many times have you pulled your hair out, especially if you bet on games? Oh my God, college kickers. Well, I always had a pretty good run. Over the last, I don't know, six, eight, ten years uh, in the, in the uh, place kicking department. And, and this kid, I know nothing about any of them. But how many times have you seen Iowa play in close games when it comes down to a big kick um, to take a lead or to um, 
get back into the game, make it a one-score game. You're going to need a kicker to trot out onto the field and feel pretty good about it. It's has to kick a 45, 48, 51, whatever the distance may be. Close games, margin of error, very, very close. And what I think, especially a Big Ten West, is going to be extremely competitive. So they're going to need a kicker. Defensive side of the football, um, really nothing to me um, that, that really caught my attention. Uh, Terry Roberts got a chance to have a big year. He's uh, he's part of the uh, part of the two deeps uh, in the uh, on the defensive line. Nothing really. Yaya Black is behind uh, Logan Lee. And if you think back a year from now, this is one of those guys that was uh, getting as much hype as anybody coming out of coming out of spring, going into the fall. Yaya, Yaya Black uh, was a big big talker and never really. And again, this was his first year, so you got to cut him some slack. Uh, never really uh, lived. Up to that, at least yet. Far from writing him off, uh, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe the light goes on for him this year. So that's the, uh, I think, the big news from the Hawkeye depth chart. Uh, we will pick, obviously, uh, some of the media that follows the team on a daily basis. Brain tomorrow. Hope to get one or two of them that will peel themselves away uh, from the non-Iowa portion of uh, Big Ten Media Days tomorrow uh, during the program. Uh, Going to take a time out. Going to get in depth of this conference with my friend Bama Bob. He watches as much college football as I do. Yeah, I know he's got that SEC name. For for today, we'll pretend he's Buckeye Bob. Then later in the week, we're talking about the Pac-12. Maybe it'll be Bruin Bob. Uh, but uh, Bama Bob is going to join me next. We're going to talk some college football. Look forward to doing that with him. He's a voice that will join us uh, twice weekly during the college football season. He is next. Kirk Ferentz's press conference scheduled to begin an hour from now. Fingers crossed. My guy Tyler Allen, who's producing uh, until Trent gets back, uh, we'll pull this off. I have all the confidence in the world in you, sir. Miller and Condon underway in a Monday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Love this intro. That means we're about to talk some college football with my guy Bama Bob as he joins us twice weekly. You can join me more than that while TC is on vacation. We're going to breeze through these uh, Power 5 conferences between now and probably Tuesday at about this time. Anyways, Bama, good to talk to you. Thanks for doing this. You ready to go? Can we can officially say college football starts next month? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that, right? Well, to me, yeah, Bama, when the uh, these media days kind of to, to me is the the curtain is rising, right? Yeah, exactly. And we'll get them on the field. We'll practice. We'll start talking depth charts. Start stock, talking schedules. We'll write our stuff down and embarrass ourselves as we do every year by just how yeah. wrong we were. But uh, anyways, uh, as always, I love this segment, Bama, and we look forward to doing it Monday. We'll recap the weekend and. Fridays, we will preview the weekend, but we're going to talk about the Big Ten today as they have sequestered in Indianapolis uh, for Big Ten Media Days. Kevin Warren took the podium. You know, I, I thought he made a great point. I, I read a really good tweet from a Pac-12 writer, actually. 
somewhere on, and I'm paraphrasing now, who'd have thought that the tent poles of the Big Ten would be Rutgers for the New York market, Northwestern for the Chicago market, and two schools in L.A.? But he's right. I mean, three huge media markets, maybe not the schools we thought would be the uh, uh, the flag carriers as far as the bringing those uh, huge media right checks uh, into the conference. Yeah, it, it is kind of weird. And, and, you know, Ken, the land, I think this, I don't know if it's sad or not, it's just the reality. But, you know, the days of, of even five years ago, I mean, they're just over. Yeah. I mean, you know, Oklahoma, Nebraska coming to the SEC, the two L.A. schools going to the Big Ten, and it's not the last of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know that. It's just going to be, you know, we're going to have two or three mega conferences is basically what it's going to boil down to. And, and you know, where where do you go from there? And I still go back that if they would have just taken my suggestion, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Ten years ago, and just said every conference champion gets into you know make an eighteen playoff. Every conference champion gets in. You get one group of five and two at large, and well, you know you can argue over nine and ten all you want, but if you win your conference, you're in the playoff. I don't know that we would have had all this issue. We might still have anyway because of media rights mm-hmm. and everything else. And uh, but we are where we are, and you know this is it's it's I don't know the game is is changed and it's it's not going back. So we're just we'll just deal with it going forward, but the days of knowing who's in what conference is going to get a little tougher for us. Yeah, and in Obama, one thing that has not been talked about yet, and I'm having Chris Williams on later, and I'm going to bring this up when it comes to Iowa State and more so, you know, just with the Big 12 Conference. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the SEC and the Big Ten are on a plane all by themselves. With the, with the networks wanting programming, might they be wanting some Big 12 and some Pac-12 schools to give up the idea of always playing on Saturdays. I'm not saying it's going to become action on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, yeah. but maybe might we see, you know, more games in, in, involving Big 12 and Pac-12 teams on Thursdays and Friday than we would have in normal years, in foregone years, not normal. This might be normal. Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, the, the short answer is it makes sense. You know, really, because how are you going to, uh, you know, go up against these these two major juggernauts? Because they're going to control. I mean, I was just looking at you know Ohio State's schedule, and I, if I read it right, they've got a game against Toledo on Fox in primetime. I mean, if if I read that correctly, and I might not have, but I'm like, but that just right there, kind of tells you where where all the big. You know, Ohio State, Alabama, Michigan, the brands are going to be the ones that just dominate television. And the the only issue that you could have there is if you play games on Thursday night, it's really hard for fans to get there, and even fans of the home team sometimes Mm -hmm. because, you know, they have to travel. You know, I'm just using Washington as an an example. You know, yeah, probably the bulk of their fan base is in and around Seattle, but – you know they're probably also spread all over the state, and they make a you know a day of it, especially on the you know Lake Washington. You see all the boats out there; it's a beautiful setting. I saw it in person, not for a game, but a couple of years ago. It's just a fabulous setting, and um, you know, it, can you get there on a Thursday night versus you know you have to take a couple of days off of work and versus a Saturday you know afternoon or evening where you just kind of plan your whole weekend around it and. You know the games come out and you you start plotting. That to me would be a you know a potential drawback. But they're going to have to do something. Yep. Because if if Fox is going to put Toledo and Ohio State in prime time, then my goodness, what are you going to do for 
uh, you know, Washington and Oregon State or something like that. I mean, it, you, you're just going to have to get to try to get eyeballs and not just be Pac-12 after dark like they've been complaining about for so long. Yeah, they're not complaining about that anymore. Actually, <laughs> they, no, they, yeah, they're not. Yeah, that that's uh, that's something they think can bring to the table. Let, let's get to the Big Ten. Uh, spent oh, I don't know, 15 minutes or so with you on on the conference. Kevin Warren has uh, spoken. Scott Frost was just on the podium. You know, let's start with with Frost, Bam. I, I think that for whatever reason. I, I'm not saying that they're going to win the Big Ten West. I'll ask you that question later on. But it it does seem like, I don't know, is the tide starting to, to I mean, it almost have to if Scott Frost is going to have another year there. There were three and nine last year. This team is uh, three. What were they in the COVID year? They won three, uh, they won three games, I think. They haven't gone to a bowl game, for God's sakes. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's, a long it's, time. Uh, is yeah. this the year, Bama? Do they win a bowl game? Trent loves Casey Thompson. I'm kind of, okay, he's okay. Um, where are you in Nebraska? Well, you know, kind of like I was in Michigan for you. I got to see it. Now they do have a new, is, is Casey Thompson better than Adrian Martinez? I mean, Great I don't question. know. Talent, talent wise, probably, um, heart wise, you know, I'm not sure. The heart. And that's the thing about Martinez. He was just so, you know, confounding sometimes because you just love the, you love the heart. You yep. love the effort. You love the spirit. And he showed flashes of it, Kim, but he just made the biggest mistakes at the most critical times that cost them football games. And it, I mean, and I didn't see any, and part of this is maybe him, maybe it was just his ceiling, and a lot of people want to blame Frost. I never really saw any year to year improvement or progression with him like you, like you would expect for a quote unquote quarterback coach like Frost that played the position that that, you know, is is renowned for developing, you know, talent. We saw what he did with McKenzie Milton at UCF and everything else. And I didn't see Martinez get better. So it, it they played hard. I'll give them that. I mean, all the games they had, they, they were they were in a lot mm-hmm. of them. They just, yep. But they just, if you're just sitting here going, man, if they just would not make the big mistake, and more often than not, it was from the quarterback position. So by that situation, yeah, they have to be better. But again... I mean, the schedule is really manageable for them this year. You know, they and I think that I think a big game out of the shoot is Northwestern. That game, right out of they they have to win that game. Okay, Oklahoma's going to be tough, but then you get into Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue, Illinois. They've got a really kind of they got a loaded back end. Yeah, they Michigan, do. Wisconsin and Iowa; those are tough, and even Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And I think Illinois is better. I mean, they the. The point is, I think if they're going to reach and win a ball game, they've got to rack up. They got to win, you know, maybe five out of their first seven because you know you've got Northwestern, North Dakota, Georgia Southern, Oklahoma's going to be tough. Um, Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue. I mean, you've got to get what five out of those mm-hmm. because the back end, Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. That's tough. Okay. That is really tough. So you got to build some momentum first. So I'm going to say no, that they're not, because I don't know that they can get to six and six. But if they're going to, they got to get like five out of those first seven. Because if they go three and four, they got no. They're, they're, no, they're, they're done. I couldn't agree with you more. The hay had better be, yeah. be in the barn by the time we turn the calendar from October to November. God, I'm dreading Absolutely. that. Absolutely, that means it'll be over. But I have to stop in the middle of this. I forgot to do the keyword, and the corporate people are downstairs. Uh, so right now, it's time for another thousand dollar home run. 
Go to KXNO.com. Once you get there, enter the keyword cash. Cash at KXNO.com. Your chance to win $1,000. Cash at KXNO.com. Another one coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. We now return to regular scheduled programming. <laughs> All right, Bama, that's, uh, that's good on Nebraska. I feel the same way about you on Nebraska. Let's stay in the West, and I want to ask you about Graham Mertz because, look, Wisconsin's got, I don't know, if he's the best running back in the, in, in the conference. If he's not, he's, he's certainly pretty high on that list. This Braylon Allen is legit. But Graham Mertz was supposed to be, Bama. This was a guy who, before he even got there, is, boy... Wisconsin's got a quarterback coming. This will be their best quarterback since Russell Wilson. And the good news is they're going to have this kid for more than a year. Well, he started off like a house on fire. He was unbelievable on a Friday night in Illinois. And that was his best game, game one of his career. And, I mean, he's he's had his moments, but not enough of them, Bama. Can he turn a corner this year? I think so. I, I like the talent. I mean, you, you got you know the big arm. The he's got confidence. I mean, I just like you said. I mean, he started out like a house on fire, and then you know he finished with his pants on fire basically because it was just you know it it, it and it was confounding. It was really really confounding. But you you hope another year off season in the system, you know, with Chris and all these other guys. Um, he he should be better. I'll put it that way. I, I have I have more confidence that Wisconsin will get better quarterback play than I do that Nebraska will. What we just talked mm. about, but you know, again, that you know they they've got Ohio State, they've got Iowa, obviously out of the West, but I mean Ohio State's out of the East. Michigan's not on that schedule this year, so I mean that gives them a little bit of a break. They should be able to get off to a good start. You know, Illinois State, Washington State, Ball State. Before they go to Columbus, so I mean, or New, you know, New Mexico State. So that it should be that again. You're, you're building momentum. You know that Washington State game against the Pac-12. That that's at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should be able to go three and zero going into Columbus. And listen, I don't think they're going to win in Columbus, but it's because I think Ohio State's that good. Yeah, me too. Uh, this year and really just the class of the conference, if not the country. Um, but then they get into some games. You know, Illinois a little tricky. Um, I, but they should be able to win. I mean, Northwestern, Michigan State, Purdue, again, not murderer's row right here. Uh, the, the, the back end is, you know, a little bit tougher, but, um, I could see this team winning nine games. Um, I don't know if they're good enough to win the West. Um, but then I don't know who is good enough to win the West. I, I think the West might be, uh, you know, a little bit down this year. We'll see about Iowa. We'll see about Minnesota. Uh, but, you know, I just, I think Mertz will improve. I think he 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 has the talent, he has the confidence, and I think another year in the system, and then again getting off to a good start, I think is going to build a lot of positive momentum. They should be three and zero going to Columbus, I think, without question, and then we'll just see where it goes from there. Yeah, uh, Bama. Here's here's Iowa in a nutshell. They, uh, they got their defense is absolutely gifted. They got a question mark on yep. your center. <laughs> That's a pretty big question yep. mark. I'm uh, I'm going all in on Spencer Petrus this year. They've been very fortunate at kicker. They don't know what they've got at kicker. And the receivers, uh, they lost some depth there. So we'll see if there's an... I think there's some talent there, but we, do, but we just don't know. You know, I want to go back to Wisconsin's schedule. Let me ask you about this. Maryland is on there. Um, look... They don't play Iowa, so we won't, you know, spend a lot of time during the coming weeks talking about Maryland. But where I want to go with you is to his younger brother. Uh, he, he was 
at moments against Iowa on a Friday night last year looked really good, but boy, he had yep. a lot of really bad in that football game. But overall last year, his body of work was pretty good. When we're talking about, you know, Stroud is on a, is on a plane all by himself at Ohio State, right? I like sure. Tanner Morgan a lot at Minnesota. Um, yep. we'll, we'll see some of the others where they fit. Might, uh, might Tagliavoa be elbowing his way into this conversation as you know, the league's best quarterbacks because, yeah, he plays in Maryland. We don't see them a lot. But, boy, oh, boy, when I do see them, he's a pretty good player. Yeah, he is. And, and he's he's a kid. I mean, he lived into a shadow his whole life. You know, they're both from the Birmingham – not from here. I mean, they moved here. Uh, they're from Hawaii. But they moved – they, they went to school uh, at uh, Thompson High School, which is, you know, I don't know, suburb here of Birmingham. They played Hoover a bunch. And – They've won state championships, but he's always been into his shadow, always. I mean, Tua, from the time he was a sophomore in high school, it was, you know, just, you know, he knew he was going to go to Alabama and, you know, lighted up there, and his career kind of got derailed with some injuries, you know, ankle and then that horrible hip injury. But, you know, Talis is kind of just, he's just gone along and just done his thing, and he went to Maryland. You know, he wasn't very highly recruited. Uh, you know, I think Alabama offered him as a walk-on maybe, kind of out of, you know, mercy, if you will, or whatever for his brother. And I think he was there for a year, and I think I think he might have been a transfer. I'm not I'm not 100 percent certain. I can't recall 100 percent because of all the COVID stuff. But he is really good, and he's better. He's not just to his little brother. Uh-uh. I think he is going to. I think he's going to make his own name. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he's going to be a top five draft pick, but he's a, he's a kid that, given the right, given a couple of breaks this year, I you know I'd like to see Maryland in a ball game again. You know they got to get some momentum starting out because you start looking at that schedule. At was they finish at Wisconsin, at Penn State, and home to Ohio State. I mean, oh my that god, is, that is brutal. Okay, oh, and then the, the last game is against Rutgers, who I know you like. I'm going to get um, to them in a minute. I'm glad you brought them up. Finish your point. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, so again, you know, if he's going to if he's going to make any momentum in terms of you know uh, all Big Ten, and I don't think he's ever going to you know nudge out. Stroud, uh, but you know, you, you, you talked about Thompson. You talk about you know Morgan. You talk about uh, Mertz. I mean, he could mm-hmm. be in that conversation. I think he's got the talent. And again, they open, you know, Buffalo, Charlotte, SMU. Okay, and then they got to go to Ann Arbor. So that's going to be they should be three and zero going to Ann Arbor. So we'll see how that goes. And then you know, Michigan State, Purdue at home, Indiana, Northwestern. They can really make they can make. You know, I'm not saying they're going to be six and one, but they could be five and two, easily over 500. But then again, a bye week, and then man, those are that's as tough as it gets in that conference. Almost at Wisconsin, at Penn State, Ohio State, that is tough oh, for a no. team that really doesn't have a lot of depth. But I, I like the kid, and you know, he's always going to be. It, it's such a unique name, and everybody's going to recognize the name, and they're going to associate him with his older brother, and, and that's fine. He seems to have, you know found his own comfort level or whatever, be comfortable in his own skin. And, and I think that's great because he is a good kid and he is really talented. And I'm glad that he's at Maryland, a place like Maryland where he can just, there's not a lot of expectations. You know, he's not at Ohio State or, or Alabama or Texas or one of those schools. He, he can just go up there and he can play football and he can, you know, if they go 7-5, and 8-4, get to a bowl game, that's a, that's a you know, that's a good season for them. And, and I, I think he's, he may have a little bit of a pro future, but I think he's going to make some noise in the Big Ten if he can stay healthy, if they can protect him 
uh, especially in the back end of that schedule. Well, Bam, I know we have no shot of getting through the Big Ten, so we'll finish this tomorrow with you because I got a couple more <laughs> that, that I want to get. I have we have to break because we got Ferentz coming on the podium at ten forty-five. Sure, sure. So uh, a couple more real quick ones, uh, and then we're going to move on. We never I never mentioned O'Connell. Your guilty pleasure, Purdue, uh, because yeah. I think he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Let's save them for tomorrow. Let, let's finish off on this. Let's finish up on Ohio State. Uh, you mentioned you said something earlier that caught my attention. You said the class of the. Uh, uh, the Big Ten, and you said maybe of the country. Is this a team, in your mind, look, all of that talent they lose at receivers, this just in, they've got a whole bunch of guys behind them, including Marvin yeah. Harrison's kid, who looks as though he could be any kind of player, and uh, uh, what's, what's the kid? Smith uh, Jigba, he is unbelievable. Yeah. Is Ohio yeah. State a legitimate national championship contender? I think if Stroud stays healthy, he, they are. I mean, you just really look at that schedule and they open with Notre Dame okay and we just don't know what we're going to get from Notre Dame new coach Brian Kelly's gone um they lost a couple of good players to the NFL um does Notre Dame reload like Ohio State reloads I really don't know I don't think so uh, they're going to be good they're going to be tough but mm-hmm. we just don't know I mean Wisconsin doesn't play a road game can until October 8th their first really teams Notre Dame, Arkansas State, Toledo, Wisconsin, Rutgers, all in Columbus. Oh, oh, Ohio State. Yep, yep. Yeah, Ohio State is. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I think they are. I mean, listen, you never know about Michigan at the end of the year. I don't see any hiccups on that schedule. I really don't uh, for them. Now, you know, there's going to be tougher teams, Mm -hmm. you know, than others. But, you know, the trip to Penn State, where are they? Probably a whiteout. Maybe that game's at night. God, I hope it is. I do too. It's beautiful up there at night when you all that white. But yeah, I, I think you're right. They didn't lose a ton at receiver. Okay. But I mean, they were so deep at receiver last year that Jamison Williams <laughs> right. thought he had to transfer to Alabama to get playing time. Where he led okay. the team in receiving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I don't think there's going to actually be, oh my God, who's going to run routes for us up in Columbus. Yeah. They did lose a lot, but they're going to have a lot back. And I think Stroud makes that leap. And listen, if Ohio State's not in the playoff, I think it's an upset this year because I don't see anything on that schedule other than Notre Dame. That's always a fun one out of the gate, and it's in Columbus. And I love those. I love the home and home games like that where you go, you get the team on your campus. But uh, other than that, there'll be some tough, tougher games along the way. But man, if they, if Stroud in particular stays healthy, man, that that team, I think they're just loaded because you're right on it. I mean, they're just gonna they're gonna plug and play some receivers. And, you know, Ryan Day's really got that team rolling up there. He's just, he's really emerged from that Urban Meyer shadow and debacle that they had mm-hmm. uh, for a while up there. And he's just got that team pointed in the right direction. And uh, I just don't see many hiccups on that schedule. I'm with you. Bama, uh, we got to let you go. Um, we will resume this uh, conversation tomorrow. You know what? We'll plug the ACC. <laughs> we won't spend a lot yeah. of time on that, right? Well, uh, it's here, we do you know we what? Want. That's a good point. We can go crazy on the ACC. Yeah. But I'm only That's halfway. The only time we'll get to talk about it. <laughs> it's true. I'm only halfway through the Big Ten, so we'll. Uh, I'll, I'll text you later on, Bama, and see if it's your schedule fits. Thanks for doing this. I love this time of year, Bama. I absolutely Take love care, it. Take care, Ken. Me too. I can't wait, and it's fun to be uh, back talking with you. And I look forward to doing it again tomorrow. As I tell my audience, when every chance I get, and as long as I'm on the radio, you're going to be on it with me during the fall. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> Take care, pal. Good to talk to you. Bama Bob uh, talking college football. 20 before 11. Take a timeout. When we come back, 
if all things work out, but it's live radio after all. Kirk Ferentz will be listening to him in Indianapolis. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO, waiting on Kirk Ferentz to take the stage. P.J. Fleck has just left. Uh, Ferentz is scheduled to join any moment. Uh, P.J. Fleck, maybe his biggest takeaway from that, at least watching uh, Twitter uh, over the last few minutes, uh, P.J. Fleck says, Ibrahim is 100% ready to go. All right, let's get to it. Uh, Kevin Warren is introducing the dean of the Big, Big Ten, coach, Kirk Ferentz. Incredible coach and human being, and he, he and his wife, uh, Mary, uh, do so many things in Iowa, and especially at the uh, Children's Hospital. Uh, coach Ferentz has had a great year last year, won the West Division, and uh, will have uh, a great season uh, this year. So, again, welcome to uh, the podium uh, head football coach at the University of Iowa, Kirk Ferens. So good afternoon, everybody, and uh, or good morning, I should say. Appreciate uh, everybody's interest in our program, certainly the Big Ten and, and college football overall. Uh, I feel really fortunate and thankful to be starting my 33rd year at Iowa. Uh, I was a nine-year assistant back in the 80s, and then starting uh, you know, my 24th year as a head coach now. So you know, I've long considered Iowa one of the best places to coach, and really it's uh, pretty much uh, the majority of what I know during my time in coaching. Uh, and I think the one commonality, whether it's the 80s or certainly the last 20-plus years, just the quality of the people. Uh, and that's coaches that I've worked with, also the players, most importantly the players, uh, just outstanding people and outstanding leaders. So I feel very, very fortunate about that. And I think probably like most everybody that stood up here uh, thus far and will continue to come up here, uh, you know, there's a real love of the game that uh, I think all of us possess and certainly a uh, uh, love of coaching. So... You know, that being said, I think probably uh, I would not be uh, the only person to say really concerned about the path that college football is on right now and eager, eager to see where it, uh, where it heads and, you know, how we, uh, what direction we end up taking. But it's a great game. Uh, it was a big game, big thing in 1980 when I went to the University of Pittsburgh as a grad assistant. Uh, it was big when I went to Iowa in 81. And uh, if anything, it's just grown bigger, certainly. That's, uh, you know, it's always been big and is bigger now. But with that, I think, you know, you just uh, have to think about our players. You think about the voices that they hear, uh, the things that they have to deal with, the hands that are on them, uh, the noise that they're listening to, and most of all, I think the pressure. And that's certainly a concern I have as I uh, think about our football team and uh, long have felt that way. I think sometimes we lose sight about, uh, you know, just how, how young our players are and just how recently they were uh, maybe in the backyard catching a pass or out playing in the street, playing touch football. So, uh, you know, it goes quickly for those guys. Everybody that plays in the Big Ten typically is probably the best uh, player on their high school team or certainly one of their best. 
But all that being said, it's still a big jump when you go to college football, just like it is if they play beyond. And all that being said, I think you know our focus at Iowa, at least during my 33 uh, years, has been on development of our players and trying to uh, help them grow and you know prepare for their lives after after their college experience. Uh, you know, a small percentage will get an opportunity to play in the NFL. A much smaller percentage will have a career in the NFL. But for the most part, uh, the reality is most players uh, their careers end when their eligibility expires. So. That, that's really kind of the reality of what we do, and I think that's why it's so important. When they're in college, they're doing more than just learning their plays or you know developing their skill set. Uh, and to me, the best part about football and college football is just learning to be part of a team and uh, what that really means and just you know having respect for other people and uh, realizing there's a lot of other things uh, that are bigger than you. And to me, that carries, uh, carries our players well as they move into their adult lives. Uh, our message this year for our team in 2022 is the same it's ever been. You know, just uh, want our guys to focus on the love of the game, love of the work that's involved, which is significant, and most importantly, uh, the love of the people you're with. And um, you know, to me, that's the best part about sports, and certainly the best part about football. And if you do that, uh, my experience is, you know, the player ends up being a better player, but more importantly, a better person, and is better prepared to move on into adult life. And that's. That's the ultimate reality for most of our players. Uh, a couple words about our team. You know, it's like pretty much like every year we have a really good group of veteran players back. Uh, we had a good football team, as Commissioner Warren cited last year. So we've lost some good players too and have voids to uh, fill. We've had a chance as coaches to watch the guys who we anticipate to move in those positions, working behind the scenes, if you will, or, uh, you know, on the practice field an awful lot. And, you know, just excited to see where they all go, uh, how they grow, how they develop, how they meet the challenges. Certainly a lot of excitement for everybody this time of year, fans and uh, coaches as well, but also some anxiety in that you're never quite sure how a player is going to react when they, they come out of the tunnel in the swarm, 70,000 people uh, there to cheer them on. Just never quite sure how they're going to go. But, you know, we've seen growth and uh, just excited to see what it looks like here as it unfolds starting next week. Uh, defensively, real, real quick, we lost uh, three really quality players in the back end, Matt Hankins, uh, Jack Kerner, and uh, um, Dane Belton, three outstanding players up front, Zach Van Valkenburg. So, you know, we've got some, some uh, work to do in the back end, certainly. And then up front, I think collectively, we've got a good group of guys uh, that really grew last year, and, and hopefully they'll continue to grow and fill in those voids. Um, you know, we've got some veteran players. Certainly, uh, coming back at the linebacker position, Jack Campbell's here. Kayvon Merriweather in the back end. Riley Moss is one of our better players. So, you know, those are some of the guys that we'll be leaning on to uh, help the younger guys move forward. And then offensively, um, unlike the defense, or not unlike the defensive line, we were young last year. Uh, we had one of the best players in college football, entire Linderbaum, but overall we were a pretty young group. So we lose Tyler, but I think collectively we, we feel good about uh, the group and anxious to see how they develop. Uh, we've got two quarterbacks that have won games for us and you know played well on the field, and we expect both of them. Anticipate they're both going to play better this year in uh, Spencer Petras and uh, Alex Padilla. And then the running back receiver room, uh, both uh, those groups are young. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of young players in both of those uh, outside of Nico Regani, who's a veteran receiver, but the rest of the guys are really young uh, in both positions. Uh, the Williams is at the running back position, and then um, Arlen Bruce, Tegan Johnson, just to name a couple receivers. So it'll be uh, interesting to see how they develop here in year two for those guys and grow. And then the tight end position we feel good about with uh, uh, Sam Laporte is here with the group. And uh, Luke Lachey is a really, I think, a really good football player as well. So, 
uh, you know, certainly uh, we've got some work to do there and some growing to make and uh, improvement to make, but we'll see how that goes out. Special teams, kind of the tail two cities. We've got uh, Tory Taylor back as our punter uh, for his third season. Really uh, unique young person, a really good football player. But we lost Caleb Shudak, an outstanding place kicker. So uh, that competition's open right now. And I can say the same thing about the return game. Uh, you know, we've got guys auditioning for that. So, you know, we're excited to start. We're excited to get uh, back on the field with our players and see what, what August brings. And uh, we'll know a little bit more about our team, certainly, at the end of the month. So that being said, I'll throw it out for questions. Over here. John Steppe, Cedar Rapids Gazette. It's been about five months since you had Brian move over to coaching quarterbacks. What have your, been your impressions so far of how that's gone? I think he's done a great job. Uh, really, I think we have an outstanding staff right now and uh, uh, a special, selfishly, one of the nice things, we have five uh, former players, which means I'm getting old, I guess, but we have five former players on our staff. Uh, I think he's made the transition well. He's worked hard and uh, worked hard at it. John Budmeyer joined our staff as an analyst, uh, so he's been a great resource as well as have uh, some other people. And uh, I think the key component there, from my vantage point, was to have our play caller and uh, be coaching the quarterbacks. I think just trying to uh, minimize some you know opportunities for confusion or that type of thing and try to get a little more clarity in what we're doing. So so far, so good. More questions, please. All right, we'll go here, and then we'll go here. Coach Lane Harrington, Stay Alive Power 5, how are you? Good, how about you? I'm all right. So last week it was reported that your assistant coaches received like a 31% bump in salary. However, your son, office coordinator Brian Ferentz, received the smallest increase. Was there a reason that Iowa's struggles on offense have anything to do with that? No, not necessarily. I think, you know, he's been compensated pretty well, and uh, you know, the bottom line is I feel two things. I feel uh, like our staff, um, the numbers, you know, there's reasons for everything we do. And uh, we have private conversations regarding that. But I feel like uh, the staff salaries reflect levels of experience, uh, you know, contributions to the program. And uh, the other part about it, and that was important, as you probably know, uh, I signed a contract uh, back at the new year. Yeah, and there were two things uh, that were important to me. Most important was just make sure our staff was well compensated. I just got done saying I really feel good about our entire staff. And if we end up losing a coach, I want it to be for, you know, really good reasons, not because, you know, we're not able to pay them enough. So, uh, you know, as a, as a head coach, it's important to me that we're able to keep, keep guys, retain guys, and uh, hopefully it's an attractive place for them to work. As I said in my earlier comments, it's been to me, it's been one of the greatest places ever uh, to work, and I hope our staff feels the same way. But I, I think we're in a good place with everybody on the staff. We'll go in the back over here. Hi, Kirk. Scott Docterman with Thanks, The Athletic. Uh, Jack Campbell seems to be on a similar trajectory as some of your better linebackers you've had in your tenure. In what ways is he similar to some of the better ones that came through? And then are there any physical or other traits that, that make him special or unique? Yeah, uh, he's got a skill set that's unusual. Uh, just his height and range, that's it's a little bit unusual for us, at least uh, historically. Uh, you know, I don't know the exact numbers, but I'd say he's prior tallest linebacker, probably in 23 years, I'm guessing. Uh, but beyond that, you know, uh, he just plays smart and plays with unbelievable desire. And I think the first thing I, I would uh, cite with Jack, and that's probably true of a lot of really good players I've been around, 
pro college or high school were good coaches I've been around. He's extremely humble. Uh, you know, he's not, not about taking credit for anything. He deserves a lot. He is a leader in his way. Uh, but he's authentic. He's humble and uh, really driven to, you know, to do his best. And, and he's doing it for all the right reasons. He's got great pride in what he does, but he also has, uh, feels a responsibility to really be at his best for our team. And I, as a coach, you, you just value that so much and appreciate it. Okay, we do have a final question right over here. Hey, Kirk, Andy Wittry with On3. I saw that you were on hand at the Swarm Collective's press conference. How did that relationship come about, and what is that conversation like ongoing? Well, uh, the relationship with Brad, is that what you're referring to? Brad yeah, I just, uh, just had the good fortune of meeting Brad here in the last two months. Um, you know, uh, I'll share this, and I say this often. One of my biggest fears about coming back to college football 23-plus years ago was donors, and it's been one of the most uh, greatest fortunes of my life, uh, the donors I've got to meet and uh, get involved with. And I say donors, I'm talking about people that just support, really support our program, and uh, Brad has just done an unbelievable job. hes I can't imagine how much time and energy he's put into this. Uh, as I mentioned, I just mentioned him inside a window of two months. Just an extremely impressive person. Uh, I never knew what an actuary does, nor did I really understand how you become an actuary. And everybody I knew in college, it was going to become an accountant. They wanted to jump out of windows all the time, and actuary is probably about ten times harder. So he's a, he's a pretty smart guy. I think it's fair to say that. Got a great personality, great resilience. He was an athlete, and just uh, I'm so appreciative. I think I, I don't want to speak for other people. I think I speak for everybody on our campus's behalf. Just appreciative of his interest uh, and his willingness to to help. And I think we're doing it in a way that fits fits our program, the values, and uh, the way we see the world. So I'm extremely appreciative to uh, Brad's willingness to get involved in his contributions already. All right, that was uh, Kirk Ferentz live from Big Ten Media Days, that uh, audio courtesy of our friends at the uh, Big Ten Network. Uh, good stuff. Uh, some 33 years at the program, uh, when you include his tenure under uh, Hayden Fry. Uh, 33 years, good for him. All right, coming up in hour number two, we're going to move away from football. Briefly, uh, we will get to Chris Williams from Cyclone Fanatic. Going to take a look at that roster with Chris. Really looking forward to doing this about 11.20. Uh, Chris will join me. We'll talk some Cyclones. But prior to that, Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. Is Juan Soto really going to be a Cardinal? Wouldn't that be something? If he gets to the Central Division, ooh, that would shake things up at the top. Miller and Condon, Hour 2 coming up next. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.